In the name of Jesus, amen. You are invited. With the start of the fall-autumn shift, one of the things that's come back around here at St. John's is our confirmation class. Now, we've made some uh, big changes, some major redesign of the confirmation program this year, and one of the ways that we open up on our sessions on Wednesday evenings is with an icebreaker. This week, that icebreaker involved one of these. This is a conversation ball. I don't know if you've ever used one before, but the basic premise is that you will throw, I will throw it at Don now. You, you ready? All right, there you go. All right. And if Don were to look at what was underneath his right thumb, he would see there is a statement, a question, something like that to solicit a response. Don, what is the one that you got? All right, you don't have to do that right now. It's okay. No, no, you can keep it. That's okay. Just hang on to that. Yeah, that's good. But the one that came up on Wednesday of this past week was, imagine that you get to meet your favorite band. What would you talk to them about? It just so happened that the person that caught it on Wednesday said, I don't have a favorite band. I don't know how you don't have a favorite band. But let's, let's just imagine here that if it weren't a favorite band, what if it was a favorite musical artist or performer? Maybe just a regular old artist. If you got to meet with someone, who is someone like that that you would want to spend unhurried time with? Now let's say that your favorite band or artist, again, if you don't have a favorite band, has invited you to have a meal with them to come out to a restaurant or maybe some other place that you've really always wanted to eat. You don't have to bring anything with you. They are going to pick up the tab in its entirety. You don't even have to dress up. Though if it's a band, maybe you want to wear your favorite band t-shirt. And you get to go and just spend that time. What's more, they're going to even send a driver to your house to pick you up and take you home. Sound good? So why wouldn't you go? Do you already have too many appointments on your calendar? Are you feeling too tired to go out? This is a chance to experience something that is significantly different from anything else that you get to do in your day-to-day. Something that you're never going to get another chance to do. Why would you ever pass up on an invitation like this one? Now, this special invitation from a significant figure in your life might start to help you get your brain around the parable that Jesus is telling the religious leaders here in Matthew 22. The parable opens with an invitation to a wedding feast. This is something different than a wedding feast, an invitation that you might get from say, distant relatives or your co-workers, maybe even your friends. Because this time, the king's own son is getting married. This is going to be an epic celebration. This is one for the ages. Nobody in their right mind would miss their chance to be there, to join in the celebration. So when Jesus, as he tells this parable, says that the invitees reject the invitation. 
That's like crazy talk. Who would pass up the opportunity to be at the biggest party that the nation has ever seen? Let alone, who would turn down the king? Because you wouldn't just be passing on the celebration, you would be insulting the king. But look at what that king does in Jesus' parable here. He sends those same people that rejected him another invitation. It's only when they disregard that second invitation and even kill the king's messengers that they bring down the king's wrath upon themselves. The religious leaders of Jesus' day were rejecting God's invitation, the one that he sent them to be a part of his son's celebration. They were even rejecting the son who was right there before them. But God's grace wouldn't be stopped. And so his invitation would go out to more and more people, not just from the nation of Israel, but to those who did not find themselves of the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to the Gentiles. The king's messengers would go and invite more and more people to take part in this wedding feast where they would find welcome, where they would find a bounty that they never ever could have hoped to expect and enjoy, nothing that they even deserved. The father of the bridegroom wants everyone to be a part of the celebration that he has prepared. In our confirmation class this week when we met, one of the other things that came up was the third commandment. Just in case you don't have all those memorized by number, it's remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And the way that Martin Luther describes this in his explanation is, we should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. What would keep you away from gathering with God's people? What would keep you from coming on the Lord's Day each week to receive and share the gifts that God gives? Now, our culture places very little value on corporate worship. So, imagine if those people who were invited in Jesus' parable replied, not as they did, but with something like, well, I've got a game to go to, or I'm going out for brunch, or any of those other explanations that people try to use to say why they're not going to get together with their fellow Christians. Our Lord wants to spend time with you. He wants to give you his gifts through his word, through the sacraments, free gifts. Now, it doesn't matter who you are. You are invited. God has prepared an abundance of great gifts for you to enjoy at the wedding feast of his son. His son, Jesus. His son who is married to the bride the Holy Church. And God welcomes you regardless of how good or bad you think you've been. You're not good enough. Neither am I. But God, in his grace, still sends out messengers. You have a king who wants to invite you in all the same. 
And in the church, the bride of Christ, you and I are gathered together to receive God's gifts and to carry them out from here into the world. It's not free. The King's Feast that we get to enjoy, the living of a restored relationship with God and with each other, comes at a price. Jesus, the bridegroom, gives himself for the bride, gives himself for his church. He lived for you. He suffered and died for you. And he rose for you. He gives you his righteousness, his standing before his Father so that you could be a part of his family. He gives you the ultimate gifts. As we heard back in Isaiah 25, that reading this morning, the describing, the describing that great feast on the mountain of the Lord, God will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. God loves you so much, he even provides the garments for the feast. That's the second part of this parable that Jesus tells here, one that might sound sort of odd to our ears. Because the wedding feast is underway. The guests have gathered. The wedding banquet is filled. And the king comes out. He wants to spend time with the guests but something catches his attention. There's this one guy over here that isn't wearing the wedding garments. Now, when a king would have a celebration like this, a, a great feast, he would often provide special clothing for his guests as part of the celebration. So if guests were to come in without the clothing, it's effectively disrespecting the king and his generosity. It's if the guest says, well, he doesn't need the gift. He doesn't want the gift. He's insulting the host. So, in short, that's not a good way if you're going to the king's celebration. Lacking the proper attire, then the guest gets booted, kicked out of the banquet. You... You are invited to the king's feast, God's banquet celebration of life with him. You are welcome to come and enjoy the gifts that Jesus has won for you with his life, with his death, with his resurrection. Your king has given you the robe of righteousness to welcome you in to the celebration, one that covers all of your faults and failings and shortcomings. Don't disparage these gifts. Don't neglect the invitation to the feast. Now, over these weeks of consecrated stewards, we have been lifting up and celebrating various ministries in our life together here in our congregation. Now, think about these ministries in the context of the wedding feast. They're gifts. Wedding gifts, not gifts that the guests give to the host, but gifts that the host gives to his guests. And through those guests to the world around us. If you've been a part of any of the ministries 
that we have highlighted so far or will highlight in the, today and in the week to come, or truly any of the ministries of the church, think about how our Lord has been at work to give great gifts to you and through you as you serve in his name. If you haven't yet been intentionally involved in one of these servant ministries of our congregation, consider taking maybe just baby steps to be a part of it and see, see as you do what God is doing to invite all people to the wedding feast that he's prepared. Next week, in all of our worship services, we will be gathering for what we are calling Consecration Sunday. It is the high point of the consecrated steward's experience. Please plan to be here. Be here to gather together with your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're able, come and join in the celebration luncheon that will be following worship services next weekend. But regardless of whether or not you will be able to be here next weekend, please pray. Please pray for our congregation, for our people and the ministries of St. John's. Because we are here as an outpost of God's banquet hall. Pray for God's guidance to be upon us all as we plan our commitment response on Consecration Sunday. And for our life together in the year ahead. You are invited. Come. Come to the feast. Amen.